What's up, everybody? Welcome to a new episode of Young, Dumb, and Yoked. You got your host, Logan Creek, co-host Brett Hers. Tonight, we're going to kind of talk about the uh, training cycles and training phases that we went through, beginning from powerlifting to what we're doing now, um, and kind of touch base and get into a little bit more detail. Uh, Brett, what's some training cycles that you, you started out with at an early age? So, my dad really started me doing like uh i don't know if you ever heard of 531 yeah that's a jim windler program um started out doing that and i think it's a great building cycle i think i think for beginners it's very simple it's uh and it's very effective too i mean because you're having multiple weeks of different rep schemes and you know you're still you're kind of you have the same exercises but you're building off reps, and then you're reaching your one rep, one rep max, and that's um, that five three one you're talking about. Yes, like you're going five reps, then three reps, then one rep. Right. So okay. each week will cycle in. So you'll have one week of five, one week of three, and then one week of one, and then you'll deload. And then when you find out your training max, then you apply that training max to the next rep scheme. So hopefully by the end of your, so like I would say like starting out like when you get to that first week where you're doing like the one rep max essentially uh you're not going to be really maxing you're going to be finding what your training max is and that way you can evolve the rep scheme after that so really it's the first three weeks is kind of figuring out yourself yeah and like in it just like anything just getting into a program um so i think that was a that was a great one to start out with um I, I have a lot of, um, just kind of a lot of respect for Jim Windler as a person and as a coach, too. Um, he's a very smart dude, very stand-up guy. Um, so, like, anybody listening that's wanting to start a program, I think that's a great one to start out with. I mean, again, I super simple, super easy to follow, and he essentially gives you, like, all the tools to succeed. I mean, there's programs that he makes that are for zero weights i mean there's body weight ones there's minimal equipment ones i mean the 531 was based off of like a very minimal setup yeah so i mean you have bench squat deadlift and overhead press would you say that's more for like beginning lifters that want to start that not like beginning lifters that are now learning to lift but lifters that want to take it to a new level of now they want to program for themselves i think it's like I think it's for somebody who is not in like an amateur or an intermediate lifter. I think this is someone who's gone through like a couple of years of powerlifting that understands what the bench squat deadlift and you get the form down, you get all that down. I think this is when you progress to an actual like program program. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a good one to start out with. Um, you know, man, I was really fortunate to start out with the conjugate pretty early yeah um i did i did a combination of five three one and then started doing some things that mark bell was doing um mm-hmm. i was watching his videos and i would kind of pull and pick exercises that i wanted to try i did the same there was one because i have really underdeveloped rear delts and i was going through instagram one day and i follow him and all that kind of stuff and there was one really good exercise that I kind of picked from that he had, and I incorporated it into my lifting. At the time, this was like pre-COVID, just moved back from Ohio and all that. It was like laying down on a bench between uh, cable racks, and then you're lying down on the bench, crossing your arms, and then doing like reared out flies in a, in a bench position. Right. Like I completely feel like where you're coming from, picking and choosing, because I did the exact same thing, and that shit worked yeah like and this is on topic but i don't want it to seem as it's off topic i think that's something that um i think that's something that lifters don't do enough of is like just kind of watch what other people are doing so like don't get tunnel vision right especially if like it's at the gym or it's on instagram or it's on youtube you're watching different exercises because they I mean, excuse me, the exercise that they are doing, you don't know if that's going to work for you. Like, yeah. It's like any program. You have to find what works for you. And so. And this is different than like the Instagram, TikTok, Fab, 
workouts you see. This is from right. actual professionals. This isn't from someone you just saw in a 15-second clip on social media. Right. These are guys that have like science-backed programs and know what they're doing because they have 30, 20 to 30 years of experience. Right, and that, that's what you have to really look for. And so that's kind of where... Um, training really like sped up for me was just trying exercises because I'll admit that I've done a lot of exercises over the years that I come to find out they didn't do anything for me. Yeah. Um, you know, some of them, that's that trial and error. Right. And you know, the thing is like, you have to look at it at two perspectives, um, strength and then also like muscle mass. Mm-hmm. So like there's some exercises that, um, powerlifters use for strength that, I used and it didn't work for me as far as strength went, but it helped me with hypertrophy. And so yeah. I look, I, I never discount an exercise until I test it and I find out like there again, like I left out a category, but it's, it's strength, it's muscle mass. And then it's like, not, it doesn't work. So yeah. like I base my assumption off of those three things. And when you're doing an exercise, you don't want to say like, try it for a day and you're like oh that doesn't work i didn't feel it It, sometimes it takes a little while to feel certain things yeah um i mean you can for take me for example when we're out in the garage doing pump days band work like we may be doing a lot exercise that works for you but then you got to turn around and tweak it for me and it's going to take me weeks to finally get it to engage right that's only because i'm building up that uh, connection that muscle memory connection right and that's that's essentially what it is like uh, i think a lot of times you know young lifters especially they they don't understand the like how or they don't understand how long this actually takes like that's a reason there's like 16 week programs like right. they're gonna take a while yeah they're gonna take a while and like the most effective programs are they're gonna be the longer ones because yeah. you're looking at you're looking at each week each day as progression to the next workout so like yeah. every workout should be a stepping stone to the next one should and, get you prepared in some way right and then not only that but like getting your body ready and just like basically building that base um and then again, that's speaking of that. That's another thing that a lot of lifters don't have as a base. Like, they think they can jump into a workout. Um, you know, their favorite TikTok star or their favorite YouTuber, and they jump into their workout, and they're like, "I'm not getting any results off of this." Well, it's because like you don't have like a general baseline of fitness or sports things like that like you have to have a variety under your belt to really be able to go into some of these more specific workouts or these advanced workouts even you got to think about it too like you may see him on tiktok and everything you see a one fifteen second clip but you need to realize that they may have been doing this for years right and you can't just jump into it all willy-nilly out of nowhere it's right it's not gonna work that's either how you're gonna hurt yourself or you're not going to get any results. Yeah. And then you're just wasting your time on both ends. It's not to say, like, when I say that you, like, won't get results, like, any person that goes to the gym and starts doing something is going to get results. Like, that's just how it works. You have but, to be accountable to yourself, though. Right. It comes down to, like, diet outside of that. You can't go and work out and then come home and snack on a king size Reese's and expect to shred in 12 weeks. Right. And, like, going back on that, it is literally so true though like say someone has never lifted in their life and they start lifting once a week like that's extra stimulus like they're gonna get an effect from that yeah like it comes down to when you've been in a training cycle for years and you have years of lifting experience where then all the extra stuff matters like sleep hydration protein intake like all these different things that now you have to consider because that baseline operation that you have can no longer grow into this i look at it as like a pyramid like you have to look at um your overall uh baseline as a pyramid because you have to build the base because a pyramid is only as tall as its base yeah so or as wide as its base so that's something to consider um just think of the Egyptians. It didn't take them a day to build the fucking pyramids. Right. They had to come up with a good base before they could build up. And that correlates to lifting. You have to have a good base to build yourself up so you can get to the top. Your right. peak performance. Exactly. Like, 
you know, I, like I was talking on the last episode, like I started lifting really more seriously when I was about 12 and I'm 24 now. So that's 12 years of lifting. Yeah. Like there's some people that start in high school. Um, you know, like I started when I was about like 10, but I wasn't consistent cause I just didn't enjoy it. But, um, so, I mean, I have, like, years and years of, like, constant lifting. Yeah. Um, and so that's something that I can I can pull from, too, because I can look at past years of, like, what my training was like. and What I can, worked and what didn't work exactly. for you. And that's, that's just time. That's something that uh, beginners don't have. Like, that's when you have to try stuff. Like, be creative. Find new exercises. Like try this angle of this certain exercise like try your hands a certain way just like, don't be dumb about it don't be dumb right. about the angle you choose or something you tweak to where it's going to ultimately affect you in a negative way in the long run or the short right. term yeah i mean like don't go trying to invent a new exercise but try to find just what works for you and like stick with it for a while like it's the same thing with a diet or a, you know a program like you have to stick with it. And the best case scenario, like I say, is like if you're not seeing any results by week eight, then I think that's time to adjust. Maybe it's not working for you. But what other people don't consider, too, is like, are you putting in the effort to this program to get what this program can do to you? Yeah. And that's the biggest part. And I think along with that it's the same thing with diet yeah like, don't half-ass it no and if you're you, gonna do it do it 100 percent. right and you have to be honest with yourself like to like to be honest like when you get into this realm of like stepping away from being a beginner lifter into like intermediate to like advanced and then you have elite like there's like a lot of honesty that you have to have with yourself like when it comes to how hard you're training when it comes to how much you're eating what you're eating all these things that if you're not honest with yourself you'll never get the results you want so yeah. that's a big thing too is like and I, we touched on this on the first episode but it's like you don't have an ego yeah like if you want to be the best you can be like you're gonna have to be vulnerable with yourself and put yourself in vulnerable positions where you're pushing past like what you think you can do yeah. because that's when you take yourself to the next level. And, um, it applies to everything like life, powerlifting, lifting in general, sports, whatever it may be, business. Like just when you go past that threshold, you really find out what you're capable of. You pretty of. much, I mean, you see it everywhere and you see it from not just powerlifters, but you see it from businessmen too. You have to step outside of your comfort zone or else you're not going to find the results you want. Right. Gary V, who owned, uh, he started out owning a wine shop with his dad. Yeah. And I followed this story. He became a millionaire because he stepped out of his comfort zone. Dave Portnoy, all those guys, they stepped out of their comfort zone, lived broke, but they had a goal and they kept to it. They were accountable to themselves. And that correlates not just to business, but that can correlate to anyone and everyone when it comes to lifting. It's all about accountability. It is. Like, being consistent. Like, making sure... And that's... When you get into... I would say, like... So what I was talking about earlier is with the beginning and then intermediate lifters. Like, yeah. consistency. Like, of course you should be consistent. But that... I really, like... I don't want to say this because, like, I don't want somebody to, like, be like, oh, that's not true. But... Um, in my eyes, like, you don't have to be as consistent in those two stages because, like, you're still going to get a lot of results just because it's new stimulus to the body. Yeah. But you're shocking your CNS pretty much, right. which is a great thing. When you get into, like, the advanced and elite level, like, if you're not consistent, you just won't see the results. Like, that's just how it works. Facts. Um, so, like, I, I don't. I would say like I'm an advanced lifter. I would definitely not say elite. Like my numbers, um, are for like an advanced lifter. Like yeah. my all time maxes are like for an advanced lifter. If I was gonna say I was elite, like I would have to be close to like all time world records. That's you'd what have I to be like. You'd have to look like a strong man. You pretty much have to be like a strong man or um, like Scott Mendelson. Right. Like, those are elite. Those yeah. guys are elite. Yeah, but, like, when you consider, like, elite lifters, like, and you look at the top people in the world, they're, it's different with, uh, like, powerlifting than it is the sports when it comes to when you peak. Because 
in powerlifting, it's a lot of times your 30s, your like late, early to late 30s, mm-hmm. sometimes even their 40s. Like Andre Milanachev, like he was the pound for pound, like heaviest squatter in the world, and he was like 41. Like he was from, he's from Russia. Look at, well, what about the, what about Lilybridge? Eric Lilybridge? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, so he's kind of like, he's someone that's like, it's kind of one of those like LeBron James yeah. of powerlifting. Like, yeah. He started really young when he was lifting in. Um, I mean, at 18, he was just squatting over what, wasn't it like he held the world record for the heaviest squat as like an 18, 19 year old? I think he was 19 when he did that. And then over the years, he's um, steadily progressed and continued to beat his records. I think now he's on the, I think he's more focused on other like ventures in his life. Well, yeah, because um, he's a lot older now than he was. Yeah, then. I think he's in his thirties or something. Yeah, but um, the guys—I mean, like right now, he's probably squatting over nine hundred still. Easy. Like, so it, it takes, and that's what I keep reiterating: is it just takes time. Like these lifters started when they were, you know, high school or even younger than that, and their peak is in their thirties. Yeah, like. I am nowhere near my peak strength. Yeah, and even they are still learning about themselves. Right. And it's, that's why they're getting better. Is that's why they haven't hit their peak is because they're learning from they're learning from what their body's telling them and they're making those adjustments and they're creating a base for them to continue to build that pyramid to be greater. Right. And um, I don't think there's an elite lifter out there that will say that they haven't tweaked their training every single year. Oh yeah, like, no matter if it's their off-season training or the, what they're doing uh, in prep, like there's always going to be some sort of advancement in their programming, and that's something that any lifter has to realize. Like you can't work out the same every single day, every single yeah. year. It's, there's not going to be a single lifter that says I've been doing the same routine for 20 years. No, no each each year it's either going to be like every six months or each year they're right. making some kind of adjustment, whether that's diet lifting recovery there's a there's a tweak somewhere right and that that's what that's what you just have to do to be at the top of your game like the NFL players like no NFL player is going to train the same in the off season every single year like they're either going to like venture out and find a new coach or their coach is going to advance their training to the next step after yeah. that and that's why they get paid the big bucks cuz they know how to do that it's right and that's just what you have to consider. And I, I don't think a lot of people consider that. I think if they, you know, make steady progress over time, blah, 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 like, yeah, you'll get to, you'll get to a good point in your lifting career or whatever it is you're doing. But to really take that next step, like you're going to have to dive deep in your own research. Not only that, but like constantly learn from the best people. And that's what, that's what I do. Like, you know, like that you see guys in the gym that are big and they're strong, but like, I don't want to go to them for advice. I want to go to like the elite of the elite Mm -hmm. to learn and to that's what they're doing. They're going to the elite to learn. Right. They may look elite to you, but they're actually learning from others. Yeah. And like, that's again, I keep saying it, but that's just what you have to do. It's like, it's like if, if you want to power lift and you want to learn to be the best and you want to grow and progress, it's like, it's like school. It's a, forever long lasting school because you're constantly learning doing research on your own now you're not getting credits for it it's not like you're going to graduate as an elite but you're going to learn how to be the best right from the best yeah and so like i know we like went off on a little bit of a kind of like not tangent but just like golf course a little bit but going back to what we were talking about before as far as programming and what cycles we've ran over the years um the conjugate was the biggest thing for me i was able Same. to start early um so where i where i left off on that was i started pulling exercises from different people mm-hmm. um so at that time we still had our gym in the basement and essentially like i talked about it on the second episode but you know, like I couldn't deadlift max my deadlift when my dad wasn't there, but it got to a point where I was really running my own training. And so I was able to do everything by myself. Um, I really, I had a couple training partners, um, 
you know, like I, but I really prefer to train alone when it comes to powerlifting. Um, unless I have somebody that's really like on my level or has the same level level of like motivation and energy to like go through a workout. So that's the difference. But, um, I started out conjugate. I, I really experimented. Like I tried a whole bunch of different shit, like, and I figured out what worked for me. Um, and what really worked for me was, um, so if, if anybody's not familiar with the conjugate method, it's based off of two days. Uh, it's a max effort day and it's a max effort day and a speed day. So there's a lot of different variations to the conjugate method, but the original method, um, that I use, um, that I think everybody will benefit off of is the max every day. You're building up to a one rep max, but it's not a true one rep max. It's anywhere from 90% to 95%. Yeah. I under constant tension the whole time too. Right. And so, but the difference is, um, on max effort days, you rotate your exercises every yeah. single time. So, um, now it depends on if you have the sort of equipment available to rotate exercises like that. Yeah. So I was fortunate enough to have a gym at my own house that we had a wide variety of different things we could do. Um, so speaking on the varieties, like, so let's just map out like a squat day. So yeah. a squat day looked like, let's say I am loading up, let's say I'm using a safety squat bar. Okay. And I'm going to use chains with it. So not only is the safety squat bar a variation, but the chains are a variation because you can add as many chains or as little chains as you want. Each one is a different variation because um, one week I can go, well, I had one chain on. The second week I can go, I had two chains on. That's a variation of it because chains are chains and bands are accommodating resistance. So that's a variation on its own. Um, so what you do is essentially you i just warm up like i just get under the bar feel myself I, I i don't want to stretch before i'm going down for a squat i yeah. want that tightness i would usually do like when i did the conjugate i based mine off the winning warm-up so like that's where me and you differ like yeah. you can go straight into it and you like the tension but me i have to warm up to it i gotta be loose for it right that wasn't the case for me because I wanted I wanted that tight bound ligament muscle tendon. I wanted that so I can come out of the hole quick. Yeah. Um and that's what that it's just what works for me. Some people need to warm up. Like I really don't. Like it, to me I don't know if it's like a mental thing, but I can just go in there and I can start doing stuff. I think mine pretty much just came from my hip surgery right. at 19 my knee surgery at 18 like i used to be able to go under the bar and just start going and and like kind of warm up with lighter weight right but ever since that happened i i gotta warm i gotta warm up now or else i'm gonna tear something i've tweaked my hamstrings so many times right it was weird is like you say like you're talking about the injuries and then making you wanting to warm up it was actually because of the injuries that i had that made me stop warming yeah because my junior year i broke my back um, I broke my L4 and my L5, and um, after that, you know, I really thought powerlifting was kind of done for me. Mm -hmm. I was like, I just need to train what I need to train for sports and then call it a day. Um, but I started doing some research. I started looking up online, like, and I started looking what powerlifters were doing for back injuries. And um, so the doctor told me, you know, like, you got to go to physical therapy, which I did. Um but it said, like, no heavy lifting for, like, fucking four months or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like, long-ass time. That didn't cut it for me. Like, I was like, four months, I'm going to miss so much training. So I started looking up people who have done the same thing that I did. And um, I started out really slow. Like, yeah, like, I didn't lift as heavy for, like, the first couple weeks. But then I started, if, like... If I couldn't squat, then I would do some sort of variation to keep muscle mass in my legs. Like a belt squat almost. Right. I would I would try to just mimic what I was already doing, but in a safer manner where I could allow my body to heal. But with kind of a like, funny story, uh, in high school, I broke my toe like really bad. Like shattered yeah. my entire toe. You got like, surgery on it. I, yeah, I had like reconstructive surgery on my toe. Um, 
I broke it during track of like all things because I hit my toe on the toe board. Oh, I shit. shattered it so hard on the toe board. That's like the ultimate stub toe right there. Yeah, and it was like it was kind of crazy because I did it at a track meet, and um, I got done with the track meet, and dude, like within I don't know thirty minutes, my entire toe was black. Like yeah, terrible. Um, and like. You don't think of how much a big toe plays a factor in just day-to-day life, but it does. Like, big toes a lot of, has a lot to do with balance. Your big, it's like your big toe and your pinky toe. Right. And the same thing with your hand. You got your thumb, which is like 90% of your grip right there. Yeah. And then you got your pinky as well. Same thing for your feet. Yeah. And, you know, like, it was... Uh, here. Like, the funny part was, like, I... As much as it hurt, I didn't give a fuck... I literally started deadlifting, like, a couple days later. Like, I would just do it. I would lift my pinky. I would lift my toe up, which could barely do. It was basically just, like, so I could... And sometimes, like, I would put, like, a Kleenex or something to, like, pop my toe up so I wasn't going up and down on it or wasn't moving. And I would still deadlift. I would still squat. I would still do all the other things because... Again, reiterating back to what I said in the last couple of podcasts, it wasn't a hobby for me. It was my life. Yeah. Like, my training dictated what my mind was, like, how it was. Yeah. Um, so, going back to the back, though, uh, when I broke my back, um, I started doing PT. It got better. Um, but what really made it better was actually lifting. Um, it wasn't allow, I wasn't allowing the muscles to... Uh, atrophy. atrophy and to let them get weak again so I have to rebuild them back up um, essentially I just covered it in armor armor as in muscle kind of like what I am doing now because right. you know two weeks before um, my wedding back in March I fractured and broke my L4 and L5 same way you did and you weren't living here yet you weren't down here yet but yeah. you knew I was like calling you like i was almost in tears and pain yeah but you pretty much you know told me like hey don't stop like let's do this instead yeah and now i'm i'm walking better i'm walking fine i don't have to go to the doctor anymore for some kind of treatment now i do get back spasms still but that's a completely different issue yeah and like uh what you're like you told me like your doctors are recommending surgery and that's exactly what they told me too but when you get back surgery like you're done yeah you're like, done forever so i i what i tell you i said yeah it's not happening yeah we pretty much just made a coat of armor we we took my the muscles around that affected area and we strengthened them to where my body wasn't relying on my spine to support everything right but instead it was now relying on my muscles for stabilization Right. And I've never felt better. Like, the pain's pretty much gone. Yeah. And so, that's a big thing, uh, too. Like, injuries. Like, you can't like you can't look at injuries as, like, it's over. Because I have a torn quad that's still torn. And I, I went on to squat 775. And my max was way below that before I tore it. Like, yeah. when I went to Butler, I think... Uh, my max squat before I went to that's it's actually the max squat that I tore it on it was six seventy five. Yeah. So I tore it on six seventy five. I still I still stood up with it, but what I thought was like I'm never gonna be able to squat well again. But what I didn't realize is when I changed up my stance and relied more on my hamstrings and my posterior chain to actually squat, it made my squat go way up and I didn't have yeah. to worry about my quad anymore because not that it's not a mover in the squat it just wasn't my primary mover anymore. There's yeah. some people that use their quads to squat, and that's neither bad or good, but in my way of squatting, it allows me to not be hindered by my tear anymore. Isn't that kind of like going between like a low bar squat and a high bar? If you're doing like a high bar squat, you're more, isn't it more your, uh, you're more of a quadriceps squatter than you are a hamstring? Typically speaking, yes, because um, the way people squat uh, especially when you go high bar, you know, like I look at it two ways because I've squatted low bar and I've squatted high bar. Um, I squatted low bar predominantly in high school. Um, that was just what everybody was doing. Like powerlifters were squatting low bar. Like the people that are lifting the most weight are lifting low yeah. bar. And um, 
then I started, you know, watching Louie and all the geared lifters that they had. And they're all going low bar. No, they're all going high bar. Oh. Yeah, they're all going high bar, like right on the traps. Okay. And I thought, I was like, God, that's so fucking weird because when I squat low bar, I can really sit back and I can lean over. But really what rely I rely on your hamstrings. But what I was missing was all of the core and all of the lat activation of a high bar squat and allowing my trunk to be completely stable. Yeah. Um, and so once I switched over to that, that's when I saw a huge difference in my squats. Like, no matter what I was doing, um, it just blew it out of the water. So um, my trainings varied through different injuries, uh, and that's what you have to do. When something yeah. gets injured, you're going to have to change how you do things. And so after I broke my back in high school, I really... I re- so, like, it's funny I say it now, but, like, I I went hard as fuck in high school. Like again, there was. I think we all did. There was like, not a lot of athletes. We all did. Yeah, but for me, it was like again I talked about it before, but it was the no off days. Like every single week, there was a plan. There was this. It was going to happen. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But I tr- I trained. I would say like seven out of ten smart because there were days where I would max out and like yeah. go to complete like passing out my eyeballs were eyeballs would be bloodshot from all the blood pressure like nosebleeds like i'll get those every once in a while now because like you know when you're like maxing out and you're doing some of these things like it'll happen but um i was just going way too hard way too often and so but i was still training correctly through a program but i wasn't adjusting it to what was actually working so that was the difference between then and now um so let's let's talk about like so i'm going through high school i go to butler it's completely different training yeah there it's forced training i can't do my own program there um so when i left butler i moved to manhattan and i started working out at a gym there and i really started to get back into conjugate the difference was this time and i was my main goal was losing weight. Yeah. Um, so I would still do conjugate. And when I couldn't... So I have, a, like, a really bad sleep issue. Like, I have sleep apnea. I have insomnia. Like, I've had it since I was a kid. And so I'll go through phases every year of, like, little sleep, moderate sleep, good sleep, and then none. So in Manhattan it was like a very long stretch of like very little sleep and so when I couldn't sleep I would go to the gym it was a 24-hour gym and I would do the stair climber and I would put on a Joe Rogan podcast and I would do stair climber for like three hours yeah it was something I was like I had been big for so long in my life that I wanted to be skinny because I was like that's what the girls want nowadays like I'm gonna pull bitches this way I'm going to feel good. And it like, I'll admit this, like being lighter and weight like that, like the joints feel good. Oh like, yeah. hundred percent. And there's just like little aspects of day to day life that it's just easier, but like, it's not like a huge difference, you know, like bending down, you're not going like, Oh, you know, yeah, like a big you're not Like in complete exhaustion just by doing simple movements, like bending over to pick something up. Right. Like when you're like out of shape fat, like that's different, but like, we come from like being big offensive linemen and big power lifter. That's that's different. So my training was different then. Um, I really focused on like what I was eating, um, my cardio, and then like training as far as strength training went on the back burner because yeah. I've done it for so many years. Um, mentally, I wasn't bored of it, but I was so tired of the monotony of training. Because getting out of college, you, especially like sports, and I think a lot of people can relate to this when they leave college sports, because for so long you identify yourself as a college athlete. Yeah. And when you go back into the real world, it, you kind of lose yourself. And for at least me, I did. I mean, look at me. When I got back from college, I was big, I was an athlete. I didn't th- even think about losing weight. I mean, you remember me when I was home. I blew up. Right. And then finally it was like a switch, and I was like, well, shit, now I'm in the real world. Like, I got to change because right. I can't live this lifestyle because that lifestyle is going to go from being big and strong to just big and fat. Right. And, like, 
that again it was it's funny how we differed during that time because I was in a relationship at the time and I when I you when I first started my relationship I was 250 jacked yeah and I was that was at when I was at my strongest like my strongest in high school I was like 290 and my maxes at 250 blew those maxes out of the water that's how I was. So, like, when we were talking about the conjugate, I didn't have the opportunity of starting at, like, a super early age back in high school. Right. Like, you know, I didn't start until May, uh, no, like, January of 2020 when I started my internship program. Right. Like, and I was, when I started conjugate, I was 250, but I was a bad 250. I pretty much had starved myself and put my body into hibernation mode. So, when I started the conjugate i started i read matt winning's books i watched his movies i watched his youtubes i really you know dived deep into the conjugate so i knew what i was doing like i gained 20 pounds but i gained 20 pounds of straight muscle like if i would have just increased my fat intake at the time just a little bit i could have looked like brock lesnar but my maxes at 270 on the conjugate versus my maxes at 305 playing weight my 270 self blew my 305 self out of the fucking water right completely out of the fucking water you know like when you're playing um so i look at sports training and i look at powerlifting differently because obviously they're different sports yeah one is sport specific one is just you specific right what you want to do i think during like especially in season I think the goal should be, like, moderate strength gains, like, in minimal to moderate, because you're already putting so much stress on your body during the season. Especially when you get farther into the season. Oh, yeah. Like, when you're in week, I would say you hit a wall, like, probably week eight. Yeah, that's like, what I was thinking. Because you have, like, a full month before the season starts. And so, like, you're essentially you're in week 12 by then. Mm-hmm. But technically, you're in week eight. But I, I really... When I was at Butler, I hit a wall. I hit a wall really hard, um, and it wasn't like a strength gain wall. It was like my body was like, "Holy shit!" Like the training's different. the The day to day life's different from high school. Like obviously, but you know, um, that's when I, I hit my wall. And um, mentally, it's it's mentally exhausting. It's physically exhausting, and um, it's not to say that I didn't like it. Yeah, but. It wasn't what I expected, and also, like, because of the injuries I had, like, it was just hard to go through week to week. Um, but but going back on, so I leave Butler, I start losing weight, I ended up losing 85 pounds in 10 months. Like, it, it was a very big drop in weight. Um, I Again, I felt great. It was the first time I've been that skinny. Like, I was 220, and I was 220 as a freshman in high school. Yeah. So, like... Imagine, like, how many years being over, like, 270 that I was. That's how I was. I was a freshman at 250. Right. And I got down to 250, and then I went back up to 270, but healthy 270. Right. So, like, I, I hit these big numbers. I'm My training's going great, like, blah, blah. I get into a relationship, and I get fat again. Like, fat, fat. Yeah. But, because there's no training. I remember. I So, like, I cut out training of my life like that it was a weird phase that i was in like and i look at it now and like i actually was really depressed and like i had my anxiety was very high yeah but i didn't recognize that i needed training back in my life to fix that or like to mitigate some of the issues that come with like depression and anxiety i mean training is like it's like um escape Almost. It's like finding yourself again. It is. Like, once you lose yourself, like, a lot of people have different ways of dealing with it. But for us, it was training. Getting back into training and we were healthy. Like, we were mentally healthy and then on top of also being physically healthy. Right. And, like, uh, for some of you, like, that may know me. um, So, like, uh, one of the big... Like, I'm a big advocate now on mental health. Um, I've known about my own depression for many years, uh, but for a long time, I didn't know actually what it was. I just thought that I was like, my emotions were so bland all the time. Like yeah, I found, like I a found, stone wall. I found it hard to like form relationships with uh, new friends or just people in general because like, I just didn't feel the need to 
and I just didn't feel like anybody val like I just didn't feel like anybody added value to my life other than like the solid people that I have in my yeah. life. Um, so it was my biggest turning point when I um, put mental health first was like after Colin passed. Like yeah. Colin was my childhood friend growing up. Um, I spent, dude, I literally, we went to the same daycare. We went to the same preschool. You guys spent like your entire lives together. Yeah. So like, and even then, like you go to school together, but we had the same babysitter on the weekends. Like everything was Colin and I. And so, um, Colin was having like his own like mental health issues at the time too. Like right before he passed and like he started going to therapy and, um, I remember the day before he passed, we had a phone call, and so I had known Colin had been going through some stuff, and I saw the switch that happened when he called. Like, I saw it, like, you, like, obviously I was on the phone with him, but, like, I was, like, the old Colin's back. Yeah. Like, it was, like, Colin's good again, like, he's happy, and, like, the next day he's gone. Like, I remember waking up to a phone call from one of my friends saying that like is this true is this true and like i ended up calling his dad and it was like and i was here at the time yeah like i, I was, remember i was at work and you're like hey i'm splitting gotta go yeah i gotta go and so i called my mom and i because i was talking to my mom at the time too because like i thought she maybe heard something and so like i just drove home like i drove straight home like i was with my family and it was it was weird man because like i had lost my brother too when i was really young yeah and i have lost several friends along the way but um colon hit me it was really hard like it but the problem was is i became very bland in my emotions like way worse than i had had been in a long time yeah you i mean i would try and talk to you like normally and i could tell the difference i mean it was right it went from like we would have like long conversations to like one worded texts or one worded like very short like less than five minute long phone calls yeah and like you know for a fact like when we were away from each other like we called or texted each other like every single day yeah like it was like that's how it was with us and you wouldn't hear from me for days and it's not because i was like not trying to talk to you it's like I didn't have any emotion whatsoever. Yeah. And, like, I remember I remember a distinct conversation that I was having with my parents. Um, I was sitting down in the living room, and I was just, like, staring off into another world. Like, nothing was going on in my mind. And I was, like, and I was at my lowest. Like, you know what happened before colon yeah. and everything that happened yeah, before. absolutely. Like, we won't speak on that. No. But, um I was I was in a dark place. Like, yeah. Um, and what helped you get out of that? It was going back to training. Like it was. It you was came. Going. You moved in. You came. You moved in. You came back down. And the first thing we started doing was training. Like right. we switched it up. Like now we do like a like a bodybuilding uh, uh, circuit, like yeah. a program. Right. And I can tell that your mental health outside of everything else you did um by talking to people increased like you were right. you were you were you again you were who i remember yeah and like the biggest thing was like obviously therapy um you know like uh when my brother passed away my parents asked me if i wanted to talk to somebody and i told them no and like i don't you know like i wish i could go back and change that's, that honestly that's a very hard thing to like come out and say too no one wants to admit it and no one wants to like say yes i need help like right us as americans like we are so prideful in ourselves we don't want to go get help because we don't think we need it when deep down we really do need it yeah and like i think men especially like a hundred percent you don't i think a lot of people don't understand like the the pressure that and i'm not gonna say like anything about men and women like any of that like yeah to, everyone has their own problem everybody has their own problem but like men especially don't talk about their own problems no. and i think like with friends too like the difference is is we can talk about stuff no problem like we have that relationship where like we can talk about stuff but um a lot of people don't have those people in their life like yeah and they're too scared to go find that person well, to, they're scared to be vulnerable too. yeah like being vulnerable as a male, you think it's such a weak thing to do, but I mean, because you see it on social media, like they bash, they're bashing people like that right now. So yeah, yeah, it's like a callus that's going to just 
keep growing and keep getting better, and it's going to get harder and harder to remove. Right. And, like, when I say this, like, everybody listening, like, take this into context. Like, there is 99% of men out there that are pieces of shit, that treat women like shit, that are horrible people. And there's 99% of women that are, like, shitty people. Like, that's just how life works. It's yeah. the world. Um, but you see a lot of nowadays, like, a lot of women bashing men, um for like feeling and being emotional like being true themselves and that's hard that's really hard to go through life with yeah and um when i finally decided that like i needed help was again it was right after colon passed yeah it was about a week after i remember sitting down with my parents and i like i've uh i've had very low moments in my life but that was the lowest i've ever been yeah so you know where like you don't want to end up no. Like, and sometimes it takes finding that. Yeah. To finally realize, like, hey, I need help. Yeah, and, like, some real shit, like, they're putting this out there, like, if it if I didn't go to therapy, like, a week later I would be dead. Like, there's no question in my mind. Like, I was at the point where nothing in life gave me enjoyment. Like, yeah. Like, literally nothing. I So, like, when I lost Colin, I lost that, like, brother that I gained. Like, obviously we're best friends, but, like, when my brother passed away, Colin stepped in to yeah. that role. And so it was like losing my brother all over again. Because that's what it was, man. Um, I never considered Colin to be, like, just a friend of mine. Like, Oh, no. Like, you have your brothers. Like, yeah. I was a brother. So, I have, me and you, we have our brothers. But then again, we're also, I characterize us. I probably didn't say that right. I you butchered said that. it horribly. Yeah, I said it horribly. I got tongue-tied. But I characterize us, like. We're that brothers. Yeah. yeah. Like, we talk to each other like brothers. We act like brothers with each other. Like, and that's, and that's what I lost. And, you know, like, I, when I say that, like, when I say, like, I have no enjoyment or love in my life, like, obviously I love my family and I love my other friends that I have. But, um, you know, like, I, I grew up with such varying, like, different relationships because of what happened to me when I was young. Yeah. Like, I didn't... It's not to say that I didn't appreciate the relationships that I had as far as, like, my friends or my family. It's just that I became so morbid in the fact that I was like, everybody's going to die. Like, yeah. we're all going to die, like, whether it's natural causes or an accident, like, any of that. And I didn't put a lot of appreciation on life. Like, every day was like, let's just get today over with. Yeah. And I did that since, like... I think when my depression really kicked in when I was, like, 14. Yeah. Like, really bad. And I I was just like, I guess this is how life is going to be. Like, I was like, this is going to be shitty for the rest of my life. Like, yeah. I didn't look at it as, like, I didn't have suicidal thoughts then. Um, but I just looked at it I was like, God, this fucking blows. Yeah. Um, like, this is not going to be fun. No. Um, so, like, when I started going to therapy, I really realized, like, how much talking to like obviously a licensed therapist and like their insight can give to you what it does for you like i never realized like some of the little things that in my like just like for instance like you talk to her about something like completely off topic and you joke about it with her but she goes like that's actually past trauma that you've been dealing with and like here's the reason why it's it all comes full circle it does and that's why, like, I'm such an advocate is because there's a lot of people out there that don't think they have it bad enough to go to therapy. But, like, there's a lot of people who just go to therapy to vent. Yeah. Like, and it's such a useful resource to use. And I think everybody should at least try because you may find out that you may think that you don't have any problems at all. But you may find out there's a whole lot of shit I, under your belt. I went to therapy at a younger age because of anger issues. Right. And that was mostly past trauma based around... My mom's now ex-boyfriend because he was an abusive piece of shit. Like, right. I, he is one of those people where I will say, I hope he fucking burns. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So like, I'm also big on mental health as well. Right. And I mean, what brings it full circle is that we both found training, um, as a scapegoat. Yeah. Now that may not be for all of our listeners or, you know, everyone in the world. Right. But people that are interested in what we have to say and how we deal with everyday life may find escape through this. 
And, and that's what we want yeah. you guys to know is like, try, like find something that works for you, whether that's training, training for something, training for a goal, training to have fun, going and talking to someone that's licensed to help you. I, I like, I don't want to interrupt, but I think, I think what you said right there is key, like training for a goal, because when you are going through like a mental health um, issue, I think you become like very, I keep saying bland and like, it's not the best way to describe it, but when you're going through something like that, you don't see a light at the end of the tunnel. So when you set goals for yourself, you need to at least find something that you can have small goals to have victories. Like, yeah, it's all about like making yourself happy. Those small goals that you get, like you feel like you accomplished something that leads to a bigger goal. Right. Like, you know, like after Colin passed away, like I, there was several days where I didn't leave my bed. No, and I know you didn't. Like, it was. Because you wouldn't text me, you wouldn't return any calls, you wouldn't answer, you'd send me no. straight to voicemail. And I would, I would legit lay in bed, not even be sleeping, but um, I wouldn't even have my TV on, I wouldn't be playing PS4. Like, just like I was blank. There was yeah. nothing out of me. Um, and so when I started, like, going to therapy and, like, talking to her and, um, she really like put it back into my mind that like, I need to find a goal again. Um, and so I started thinking, I like the funny enough, I started thinking about like how Colin lived his life and Colin had two businesses. He was a college graduate and like, I mean, just like the hardest worker that I knew, like when I lived with him, um, he would come home at like 10 o'clock every single night, like just, and he, it was obviously running a business at the time, but like he just like put in the work to get to where he wanted to be. That's that sacrifice, and he stepped out of his comfort zone. Right. That's what we said earlier. Like, if you want to be successful, you have to step out of that comfort zone. Absolutely. And like you know, he was a business owner while going to school. Yeah. For biology, like that's no easy, f- like no easy task. And hell no. So I was like, you know what, man? Like I really wanted to like flip my life around, like. I got a really out of a really bad and abusive relationship and I was like either I continue the path that I'm going down and I'm going to be really unhappy I'm going to be really depressed like may not even be alive to okay here's something that I've wanted to do my entire life was train people and like help people coach people no, no matter what it is um, I was like what do I need to do to do that and so I started yeah. looking up how I could do that. And I, I already knew how to do it, but it was about putting it to action. Like I purchased the certifications. I took the classes. I got the courses like, you know, and like I finished it. It was a goal to accomplish. Yeah. And so when I did that, it put life in perspective for me. And it was like, it's one little goal after another. I think that's kind of what helped me. I mean, you, I had you and Brooke to push me. I mean, she literally told me like, if you don't buy, if you don't do this, if you don't get the um, certifications that you need that you want, like I'm gonna do it for you, and yeah. that's what I needed. Right. Like I, what did I do? I came home. I sat down. I purchased the certifications. I purchased what's gonna make me successful because I knew I had you and Brooke behind me the whole time. Right. Because you both knew that like I didn't waste. I didn't spend twenty thousand dollars of my own money, plus bodily damage for the rest of my life to not use it in any way right and you know like it was it was kind of weird man but like so my grandpa passed away in august of last year and then colin passed away in february and so like when my grandpa passed away um so like something switched in my mind that i started looking for signs that they're still there um and so the day that he passed, I, um, he passed like five minutes before I was able to get to the house, but I got to the house. I sat with him, like, uh, obviously he had passed, but I was just sitting there with him. Like I talked to him a little bit. And, um, so I started driving back to my house and I noticed the sunset was like immaculate, like one of the best sunsets I've ever seen. And like, I think, I don't know, like, I think people listening to this with depression can relate to this. Like, sunsets and sunrises, like, you can see, like, a great sunrise and it doesn't affect you. Yeah. It's just, like, you don't value it because there's a lot of things in your life that you don't value because you don't feel much. Um, But when I saw that sunset, I was like, holy fucking shit. 
Like, it, something about it, like, captivated me. And I was, like, it was Pop giving us, like, a goodbye. And I texted my family, and I was, like, look outside. Like, I just had to, like, let them know to, like, look outside. For some reason, I never do that. Like, yeah. Like, my, I'm in a group text with my family. I never reply to it. It's not because I don't care. It's because, like, I just, what am I going to type? Okay? Or, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, it was that, and then, like... So, like, after Colin passed, I went and saw his family a couple days later, and, um, for some reason I brought my sunglasses, but it was, like, a, it was a cloudy day, and, um, I drove to their house, I talked to them for a while, like, I saw his mom and his dad and his brother, and I just talked to them a little bit, like, looked at some pictures that they had, and, um, of Colin and I, and then I got in my truck, and, um, I sat down and I had a coat on and uh, I had my sunglasses in my coat pocket and they shattered as I sat down. Like glasses, like uh, like sunglasses that are like approved for like safety glasses. Everything shattered into crumbles, Logan. Absolute <laughs> crumbles. Jesus. And I was like, like it kind of confused me. I was like, what the fuck? And uh, as I was leaving Greenleaf, um, there's a it's like a famous road in Washington. It's the Greenleaf Road, like. I was driving down that, and then the sun came out, like, so bright. And every, no matter where I put my visor or anything like that, the sun was right in my eyes. And I was like, thanks, Colin, you fucking piece of shit. Like, you're really going to do this right now? I have no sunglasses. <laughs> I can't do it. Like, so I, I look said, at, fuck you. Yeah, so I look at signs, and I look at it like, he's still there. And yeah. so after that, um, I really started to think, like, what would Colin do? Like, yeah. And so I really like, I put my life like in my own control again. I was like, you know what? Fuck that. Like, I'm not going to live my life sad. Like, dude, like depression doesn't go away. Like there's some days where I don't want to get out of bed. Like there's a lot of days like that, but yeah, I, I look at it now as like, I'm not living my life for Colin. I'm living my life like Colin did. Like yeah. putting my, my needs first and, doing the things that I need to do to be successful. And, you know, it's worked out for me. Like I've gotten the job that I've wanted. Like I'm heading to the career that I want to do. Like we've started this podcast, like, and that has been very vulnerable to like, you know, put essentially like your voice out there. (laughs) Yeah. How do you think that's how I felt? Like I was like, we, that's that conversation we had coming back from Salina. Like I got deep into it and I told you like, if we're going to do this, we have to just, buckle down and do it now yeah so what did we do we went out and that same day we got all of our stuff we needed right we set ourselves up for success because we were we were just fucking around right like we weren't doing anything right and like you know it like not ever like what i've learned through this is like not everybody's gonna support you not everybody's gonna agree with what you have you're to gonna say. have haters you're gonna like any not even that but it's just like you're gonna you're not gonna have everybody's not gonna have your back that you thought would yeah so like it's it's eye-opening but it's also like you know what like we're really doing this on our own like it's us doing this um we're putting the time and the effort like right now it's fucking 11 55 at night like we're up late doing this we're grinding doing this and like grinding is like is loose word like we're talking in a microphone right now but at the end of the day like this is what we want to do like yeah i mean i literally got off of working like a 12-hour shift on my feet all day i didn't come home and take a shower crack open a beer and go to bed no i came home and i said hey this is what we're doing tonight get your ass out of fucking bed like let's record yeah let's go like so that's that's the different mindset that like the both of us now have is like we're putting like this first because in five years we want this to take over every other job that we have we want we want this to be part of our brand or part of our message and like that you know i'm gonna say it like i don't think everybody has the right to voice their opinion but like i also see like what we know and like what we've been through as a relatable and also learning experience for some people that can benefit from this yeah um, there's a lot of people doing podcasts now, but I don't think a lot of people are doing a lot of real content where they're sharing like personal struggles and like yeah. different things they've gone through. So I think this is something that when, if people aren't going to talk to anybody about it, at least they can understand that like the people that they see are like, Oh, Brett's a really big, strong guy. He played college football. He's this, that. 
but they didn't realize how like horrible my mental health was yeah. that entire time. I wasn't this, and I put on this big face to everybody in the community, all my friends that I was like this happy, um, happy go lucky guy. Like you're always in a good mood, trying to yeah. you know. I would just try like I would literally like try to be like the class clown, make everybody laugh because that's what made me feel a little bit better. Yeah. Um. And so, but they didn't realize how bad my depression was. And what's crazy is like us doing this, like this is all correlated to our training method though, too. If you think about it, we're not skipping days. Like we have turned that switch and that's what's helped us with our mental health as well is like we flipped that switch and became accountable to ourselves. Right. Like we live the life that we want to live. And I think that's what a lot of, like, we can't tell you to do that, but we can give you a suggestion, like find that thing that makes you feel good. Like you're going to go out like this is what makes me feel good. Training is what makes me feel good. Now there's a lot of other things that make me feel good, but it's it's this what we're doing now right turning that switch on in my head for you know training like i'm going to be in training mode ever since i've done that like i i have my cheat meal i have my cheat day once a week every sunday because that's what works for me like i've stayed accountable to myself i've been i want to say like three weeks without sugar and that's a new long for me but that's because i took all the negativity turned it around and turned it into something positive is which is what's helped training as well like that training has helped turn myself into a positive right and i think that's kind of what the message we're trying to get across is don't sit and sulk but find find that thing that's going to help you in the long run whether that's talking to someone or training what we want to tell you is like what we found is training is what helped us. Yeah. And I think a lot of people that in the sports community, um, as well as just like the fitness lifestyle community can really benefit from that. Right. Like you can redirect all that energy and get it out there by, you know, powerlifting, you know, moving heavy fucking weight around or, you know, changing the entire physique of your body through a bodybuilding phase. Right. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the, the biggest thing that I will advocate is, like, you find something that you love. And, like, I love this quote because, like, I, that's what I, I try to live my life like is, like, find something you love and let it kill you. Like, not to say, like, literally, but you have to understand, like, when you find something that you love, and no matter if it's a person or hobby or whatever it is, like, consume yourself with it. Like, Make push, it a part of your life. Push the boundaries of what you thought was possible, and you'll find out that there's another person waiting on the other side. Like, for years, I I legit, like, as hard as it is to say, I didn't think I'd make it past 20. Like, legit didn't make it, think I'd make it past 20. Like, I didn't want to. Um, but now, like, um, I look at life so differently because I actually value life. Um the biggest thing that I'd advocate anybody that's going through any mental health issues, um, you know, if you can't talk to your parents, like, if you don't have a good relationship with them, unlike us, um, talk to somebody else about it. Like, get right. Go talk to somebody. Like, find therapists. Like, there's so many outlets now because mental health is actually being taken seriously. Whereas back in the day, it really wasn't. You can email us, too. Right. I mean, our emails are open. Right. And we, like... So, like, I found my therapist um, through my parents' insurance. And, like, I was very lucky that, um, you know, my doctor visits aren't very much. Um, But, again, like, it's something that's very important. And I think it's something that, like I said earlier, like, even if you're not having a lot of struggles, like, it's something to look into. Um, because it's really helped me, like a person who thought that, um, they weren't going to live past 20, that they hated life and they wanted it all to end to now, like, I like, I still have depression, but like, I don't think about that. No. Like, I think about like what the next day is going to be. And like, here's what I will say. Like we talk about like finding a passion, finding lifting, finding a therapist, doing whatever. Every day is still going to have its struggles. Like. Not, it's not going to fix itself overnight. It's not, maybe never fixes itself, but 
having a better perspective on your mental health and a better understanding of your own mental health is going to help you in the long run. Because I can catch myself getting into like really deep depressive uh, depression or depressive episodes and I can I can mitigate it from getting a lot worse. Like yeah. once I'm there, I'm there and I have to work through that. But if I don't, I will spiral. Like yeah. it's, it's a bad spiral. It, you'll just dig another hole. Exactly. So that's the thing that like any athlete, any person listening to this, like f- again, find a hobby, um, find something you love, consume yourself with it and start making it, um, a daily part of your routine because when you don't have a daily routine and you're sitting there with your depression, you're sitting there with your anxiety, no matter what it is, it's going to fester and it's going to build and it's going to get, it's going to eat you alive. It is. I I remember the days sitting in my room, not doing a thing. Uh, dude, the darkest moments of my life. Oh yeah. No, I a hundred percent agree. It's hard. So, um, like, listen, we went from talking about powerlifting to training to uh mental health like what we want to say is like it all relates um but mental health has been one of the things that has turned my life around and made me the person that i want to become and it's helping me get there i'm not there yet but i'm getting there and that's what i want to advocate advocate to anybody listening is do the things you need to do um seek help talk to somebody like no matter what you're going through, it will get better. Like, trust yourself, trust your heart, trust your mind, and just, like, learn to love life again. Because that's something that, once you lose it, you may never get it back. Exactly. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up for tonight. Tune in next time for our next episode. Um, I think we're going to dwell a little bit deeper into um, training we're doing right now. So uh, tune in next time. See ya.